I'm Pete Pedro Hoffmeister, and this is the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. I recently found out that my good friend Elton had been skydiving. I was like, was it fun? Elton's like, yeah, it was super fun. I said, would you go again? He's like, no, I don't think so. And I said, why? Was it scary? He said, no, it wasn't scary. And I believe him. Elton is one of the calmest people I know. He's worked as a firefighter for 14 years. He's also worked as a raft guide on Class 5 rivers. He surfs big waves, rides dirt bikes. He studied jujitsu for 10 years. He's very calm in stressful situations. So if he says he wasn't scared, I believe him. I said, if it wasn't scary, why wouldn't you skydive again? And he said, well, the best things in life are free. And skydiving costs money every single time. And I thought about that. Elton and I usually fish together. I bike my free bike down to the river and fish with my crappy old pole that someone gave me because they didn't want it anymore. And Elton's the same way. Crappy bike, crappy pole. Bike down and fish with me. Free every single time. And if we don't fish together, we surf together. And we surf on what Elton calls his quiver of boards. He has a collection of old boards. They're all banged up and dented and nicked. Boards nobody wants anymore. And he just throws a pile in the back of his pickup truck. And we drive out on the beach. Surf the jetty. So then I was thinking about what Elton said. The best things in life are free. And I realized that's pretty much my motto without me trying to say that motto or ever realizing it. The best things in life are free. So this episode is a free stuff, free activities episode. Everything free. But not just because free is cheap. There's a bigger reason to spend less, to be a selective freegan, to open up more possibilities. When my dad went back to school, I was six years old. My parents already had four kids, and later they'd have six. So we were a big family. We didn't have money because my dad's program had a rule that first-year residents weren't allowed to work. So we lived in a sabbatical professor's house out in the desert, seven acres outside of town. And we spent so much time out on that land. I would explore the arroyo, the barn, the corral. I was always catching snakes and tarantulas and bees in my hand. Always exploring, finding bones from coyote kills. I was never bored. It was really fun. We were homeschooled on that land or non-schooled on that land, sometimes always exploring. Our family didn't have any money, 
but there were four kids and we needed a lot of food. We got free food boxes from a local church, but also my mom would drive to the local Safeway once or twice a week. And six years old, I would climb up on the hood of our Volvo and then up on the roof of our Volvo and I would jump in to the dumpster and I would scrounge outdated cans and outdated box food. And if the Tucson heat hadn't rotted it yet, we'd get outdated just barely past its prime vegetables or fruit. One time I got a whole case of broccoli, brought it back into the car, and my mom made broccoli casserole, cooked broccoli with cheese and fresh broccoli as our dinner for guests. It was always fun. Later, when my dad got a spot in Zurich in a shelter for Iranian immigrants, a women's shelter, we were given free bread and butter and jam every morning and big bowls of milk that we could put chocolate in. And we ate as much bread and milk as we could possibly eat every single morning so we wouldn't have to eat too much the rest of the day. And then later, when my dad was a resident in Seattle for a couple years, and he was working random jobs around his residency, we would scrounge dumpsters for free furniture, and my mom would fashion legs back on broken couches and duct tape things and paint things and put lamps back together, and we scrounged and scrounged and dumpster dove our way through four years and it was so much fun. If you look it up, a mid-range couch in the United States, on average, costs $1,500 to $3,000. Obviously, you can get them a little cheaper and you can get them a lot more expensive than that. The range for an average wooden dining room table is even bigger. Anywhere between $1,200 and $10,000. The average cost of furnishing a bedroom, which is a multi-layered process, but buying a bed, two side tables, two side lamps, a desk, a desk lamp, a chair for that desk, and a dresser or a wardrobe can cost anywhere from $3,000 to $10,000 on average, but can be a lot more, too. You get the point. Furnishing your house costs a lot of money. I could go room by room. And Jenny and I made a decision, my wife and I made a decision two decades ago that we weren't going to buy any furniture for our house. We just said... We'll take family and friends cast-offs. So we told our friends, told our family members, hey, if you're ever giving something to Goodwill or St. Vincent de Paul, giving it away to a thrift store, anything like that, can we please look at it and we'll just see if we can take it. Which meant that our first duplex, when we were really young and really poor, was almost empty. It had almost no furniture at all. And we slowly pieced things together. We got a free crib for our daughter. 
and a free mattress for us. We eventually got a really, really old free couch from a great aunt who died. And so it went, just like that. Our dining set that we've had for two decades was an old farm dining room table, solid oak, that my mom didn't want anymore. It didn't have a leaf, so I built a leaf for it so we could extend it. We got a free piano. Jenny likes to play piano. Because someone we knew was trying to get rid of a piano that was in a basement down a double set of stairs. And they said, if you can get it out of there, you can have it. But the thing is, an 800-pound piano is pretty hard to move. So four incredibly strong people all working together, we barely, barely got it out of that basement. It was gnarly. But we got a free piano. We also built some of our own furniture. I built a long book table that went behind our living room couch. Jenny made a series of desks and a gorgeous wardrobe out of reclaimed pallets and wood that we found on the side of the road. We just got a stack of them and she fabricated them herself. Worked hours and hours just putting labor in, making it what she wanted, painting them the way she wanted, but making them herself out of scavenged materials so everything was free. And so we knew as I was a young teacher not making very much money and a struggling writer making just a couple thousand dollars a year off my writing. We just knew while we were young and Jenny was in school that we weren't going to pay any money for furniture. That just wasn't going to happen. But it became a kind of game. Like what could we give for free? What do people not want? How could we make it our own? And honestly, the game was fun. Another thing I decided two decades ago was that I wasn't going to buy clothes anymore. I just wasn't going to be part of that game. I just wasn't going to go to stores and buy things to wear. I was like, man, everybody I know wears clothes. Everybody I know wears different clothes daily. They switch it up. And part of their switching up is that they get sick of clothes and they give those clothes away. So I just told my dad, brothers, brother-in-laws, friends, if you're going to give away a bag of clothes, just drop them on my porch. And then I'll go through them and I'll steal whatever fits me or whatever shirt or pants or boxers or hat or shoes or whatever fits me or I like and I'll just take those and give the rest of the bag away. And so everyone I knew started dropping off bags of clothes on our porch. Or because we never locked our doors, they just throw them inside. So I went through these bags every, honestly, week or two for a while, sometimes. And got tons of clothes, piles of clothes. 
So many clothes that I couldn't wear all the clothes. And then later, as I got more established as a climber and outdoor adventurer, Nike was giving me free clothes. And then when I switched from Nike to Ridgemont Outfitters, Ridgemont was giving me shirts and hats and so many pairs of shoes. I couldn't even wear them all. I was giving away brand new shoes. Elevation Bouldering started giving me clothes. And now, not buying any clothes at all, I have way, way too many clothes. So many clothes. And I'm not going to lie, every once in a while, Jay or the girls would give me wool socks or underwear for a birthday or for Christmas or something like that, Father's Day. So it's not like there were zero purchased clothes in two decades. But there weren't many. There weren't a lot of clothes that I had to buy because I never went to a store. I remember I went 11 years without going to the mall. 11 years between the last time I went to the mall and the next time I took one of my daughters to the mall. And I even got my daughters and Jay involved in this game too because at my school, there's obviously multiple lost and founds in a big high school. And all of us are not very big people. We're middle to smaller size people, so... Lots of clothes fit us from the lost and found. But I didn't have to steal from the lost and found. I'd just wait until the end of the year when there were unclaimed lost and found. No students claim these things. And sometimes the things I found in the unclaimed lost and found were absurd. Many times I found two to three to four hundred dollar jackets that fit me or one of my girls or Jay. Mountain hardware and Patagonia jackets and North Face jackets. Some kid left in the halls of South Eugene High School in October and never claimed by June. Took those home for the next winter. Two or three hundred dollar shells. Kids left shorts and t-shirts and tank tops and fleeces and shoes. I don't know how kids walk away from a pair of shoes, but they do. And those often fit me or Jay or one of the girls. So many free clothes from my high school. Think about how much everyone you know spends on clothing every year. And then just think about not doing it. Jay and the girls got into this game and they just decided to not spend very much money on clothes. They decided to mostly wear free cast-offs or thrifted clothes. And in that way, not be part of the global fast fashion industry. Mostly this is just fun. Like what can you get for free or cheaply? But also, it's an important issue. If you don't know anything about fast fashion, fast fashion globally creates 17 million tons of clothing waste every single year. That's a global crisis. And it's interrelated in the greater climate change crisis. 
So we were having fun while also not contributing to an enormous global problem. The girls started getting all these free clothes from unclaimed lost and founds, but then they also asked their friends and aunts and different people just to toss clothes on our porch also. And so we've gotten bags and bags and bags of clothes that we've gone through as the girls have gotten older. And it's been fun. And then there are sometimes just funny little moments. Like, for example, Rainy and I were spending three days climbing at Smith Rock State Park in Central Oregon in February and hiking along the back spine along the Crooked River one day next to Monkey's Face. This huge route, having just climbed a 500-foot multi-level climb. Rainy and I stopped And she saw, with nobody around, a sweatshirt covering a rock. Somebody had abandoned it, accidentally left it behind. She picked it up. She was like, whoa, this is a Taylor Swift sweatshirt. I love Taylor Swift. And she put it on. I went dumpster diving as a kid and I've gone dumpster diving as an adult. And let me tell you, a dumpster behind a good bakery is a gold mine. Three years ago, my outdoor program kids and I biked over behind the Metropole Bakery in Eugene. And we got two enormous bags of day olds. And we took them back to the garden and while we did a garden cleanup. We just set the huge bags on the table in the middle and we ate those things all that day and all the next day and it was so good. But remember, selective freeganism, choosing to not spend money on certain things, it's, it's not about being cheap. It's about having a better life. Because... Freeganism buys back money, which is time. So you have much more time for adventures. You have time for snowshoeing. You have time for kayaking. You have time for rock climbing. You have time to climb trees, to explore forests, to go out in the desert. But it's also possible that you can use this time for skill building and it doesn't have to be outdoor based you could learn to play music you could learn a new language during that time that you've purchased you could practice making art if you get really good at a skill whether it's a survival skill or an outdoor skill or a creative pursuit that can even lead to sponsors which can lead to gear Or free clothing again, which basically saves you more money. That's what I found out when Nike started giving me shoes. And then Ridgemont started giving me stuff. And then Elevation. And I realized that skill building by purchase time is a way to then create more time for adventure. And then you also have more time for your relationships. More time to hang out with your children. Or your dogs. More time to hang out with your friends. Or maybe more time 
for self-care and for slow moments, for going outside in the backyard and sitting in a hammock, or for going down to the river and just putting your feet in the water. Buying back time by choosing not to spend money on certain things is always worth it in the long run. I guess what I'm saying is if we're part of a consumer culture, if our culture is about money and buying in many ways, then maybe instead of consuming so much, we should start prosuming a little bit more. And there are lots of ways to prosume. You can create apps that help people. You can write and record podcasts that make people think. You can write poems that inspire. You can create videos that make people laugh. You can record stories. You can write stories that challenge the status quo. A friend of mine named Nels recently said to me, People always say we're in the digital age, but we're not in the digital age. We're in the entertain me age. And I thought about that, and I think he's right. There certainly are so many ways to be entertained in our culture. And that's cool. Just consume entertainment. A lot of it's good. Some of it's good. I don't know what percentage is good. But maybe we should balance our consuming with a little more prosuming. And if we do balance that, maybe our lives will feel a little less vacuous, a little less empty, a little more full. some really good adventures this summer but at the same time I was struggling emotionally I was having a really hard time with personal things so I was out doing these adventures and being active but also coming back and being reflective and having a hard time and at the same time that I was struggling emotionally I was trying to write a sequel to my thriller my novel that's coming out in December, American Afterlife. So I was trying to write book two, except the writing was going terribly. And that's not false modesty. I was really, really struggling to write scenes, to be disciplined in my writing, to think about arcs. I messed up the timeline. I messed up the calendar. All kinds of things were broken in this novel draft that I was trying to complete which I didn't even complete over the entire summer. And so I hadn't made a podcast, and I was struggling with these two big things. And then I ran into the climber Jonah Kreisberg while rock climbing, and he's an incredible boulder, amazing boulder who's bouldered in the United States, obviously, but also all over the world. And in Rockland, South Africa, he has climbed some of the harder routes in the world. Ran into him, started talking to him, and he really encouraged me. 
He said he loved this podcast, and then he looked forward to every episode coming out. So today, I just want to dedicate this podcast episode to Jonah Kreisberg, and to also note that he, instead of just being a consumer, is a prosumer. He's out there in the forest right now, creating new rock climbing routes, creating new lines, making guidebooks for these places so that other people can enjoy what he set out and what he's worked on. So to Jonah, this one's for you. And for everyone else, let me know. Find me on Twitter or Instagram. Hit me up and let me know in what ways you're prosuming rather than consuming. And also thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. <laughs>